never seemed to be warmer. But maybe that was just a bit of rose tinted retrospect regarding life in the 60s. Anyway, summer way back then meant picnics. Lots and lots of picnics. Mother I made a massive batch of sannies. Usually half of them would be with tinned salmon and the other half would be boiled egg. The mace folk mix in mayonnaise or salad cream with the egg, but Mother I was used to make ketchup instead. I think she had run out of salad cream in the past and decided to improvise with the ketchup. Anyway, the sannies were carefully wrapped in a clean tea cloth and placed in a big canvas shopping bag along with two thermos flasks, yin for tea and yin for coffee. A tin full of biscuits was added to the bag as well, usually Kit Kats or Bandits. The bag was then shoved in at the boot of the car along with a couple of tartan rugs for sitting on and the essential fishing gear. Feather's current car then was a bottle green Morris 1300 which he had bought privately, setting the hand through a dubious grunter called No. We subsequently learned that it had been rolled and the roof had been replaced. So it was what they call a cut and shut, but no a classic vertical yin. This was a recent replacement for the previous family car, a lime green Ford Corsair, which seemed to be held together with masking tape. Brighter right in we had a, a turquoise Ford Prefect that shuddered violently any time the speedo went above 40 mph. There would have been plenty of room if our wee expeditions just involved me and the parents, but that was seldom the case. Instead of getting the back seat to myself, I was usually squashed between 12 fat adults. Alternate picnics would see us accompanied by mother, sister, Auntie Peter and her man, Uncle Frank, or father's brother, Uncle Sani, and his wife, Auntie Jim. Peter had married Frank after her bearing time was by. He was a good 20 year or senior and he was from Yorkshire. This meant that he was English, which at the time I considered to be a bad thing. Peter was an excellent baker, like mother. Her apple pies and shortbread were the best bar name. Frank was the only person I can who could burn a fried egg to pure carbon. They were okay, I suppose, but they didn't have much fun about them, unlike Sonny and Jim. Sonny was father's older half-brother and a man with a well-developed sense of fun. He was a veteran of Anzio and still had shrapnel on his leg for that battle. Auntie Jim was general life's optimist. Everything was fabulous or beautiful, sometimes beef, according to her. She was prone to the odd bit of exaggeration. Peter used to say, all Jim's eggs are double yokers. She had a great liking for parliaments and senior service fags. Unfortunately, it was Peter and Frank's turn for the picnic this time. Peter picked them up in Fokker, and then we were on our way. Our destination on this particular occasion was the River Clyde near Carnwath in Lanarkshire. This was a fairly new destination for us, 
Pick next normal event a wee trip to the Trossachs via calendar. This gave us a choice of various lochs to fish in. Loch Lubnig, we're often the no, but sometimes it would be Loch Venick or Loch Voyle, Loch Erben, and on rare occasions, Loch Tay. This would be our second picnic by the Clyde. The first had been made memorable by us discovering a whitterit raiding a yearling's nest. Sani grabbed Jim's walking stick and chased the whitterit away, lashing at it wildly. I suppose it probably returned when the coast was clear to finish the job. We also discovered that on Sundays a travelling chip band for Luke plied its trade in Carnois, so that was your tea sort of. Anyway, we left Falkirk about 11am and proceeded to our chosen destination. We passed through Ermadale and Whitburn on A706, turning left somewhere between Longrig and Forth. Once we reached Carnwath, it wasn't far to the Clyde. Feather pulled the car into LA by and we all got out and settled down to enjoy our alfresco feast. I was getting a bit impatient then. All the adult blethern was delaying her fishing. I could see the river tantalisingly close, just over the road. At last, Feather arose and the two of us clambered over the stile with our gear. Frank and the twelve women had decided to go for a wee walk and leave us intrepid anglers to get on with it. Frank didn't think much of her chances. Ball catch now! was his parting shot. The path to the water's edge was a steep one, rocky with the odd windbush and crusty-looking cowpats scattered here and there. The river was running quite low and there hadn't been much rain lately. The sun was beating down on us and it didn't bode well for the fishing. Feather set up the rods. Fiberglass affairs with spinning wheels attached and hooks at the business end. So far, so good. But what about bait? Usually I manage to find earthworms under rocks or logs, but the earthless parts big time. A frenzied search for bait ensued. Feather spotted a large docking, which he yanked out. Bingo! Nestled in the roots was what looked like a big fat maggot, white bodied with a chestnut brown head. Feather said it was a token grub. I think it was the larva of some beetle or other. It was placed into the wee plastic bait pail in case we couldn't find any worms. The search for bait went on. Eventually, Feather turned a massive log over and found two enormous worms. He baited her hooks and we started to fish. The warmth of the sun was starting to ease up a bit, so we decided to call it a day. The rods were dismantled and the reels and other gear was put back in their canvas bag. We wearily climbed the stony path to the stile and crossed the road to rejoin the others while we were sitting on a bench adjacent the car. Frank greeted us with a sceptical, Head up, chaps. I says, aye. My father caught a couple of beauties. Fish? Frank gasped incredulously. No, no fish, I replied earnestly. 
Warums. Thank you.